Meanwhile, in a class in Hogwarts. Hello, I am Severus Snape, and I will be teaching this Wizarding 101 class. It's good to see some new faces this year. I will run roll call real quick. Harry Potter. Here. Hermione Granger. Here. Ron Weasley. Here. Jack Sparrow. Yar, where's the rum? Oslan. Rar. Tom Bombadil. Hiddly he, Tom Bombadil is me, and a hiddly hoodly to you. Gimli. And my ass. Beagle. It binds me! The Nazgul. Scree! Player One from Skyrim. The Polar Bear from Golden Compass. I have a name. Respect me as a literary classic character. Girl from Divergent. Um, I'm actually in the wrong class. Where is Dystopian Futures 101? Down the hell to the left. Okay, let me finish. Gandalf. Fly, you fools! Can't go any faster, sir. Troll under the bridge. Would you like to see my memes? Obi-Wan. Hello there. C.S. Lewis. Where is my brandy and my pipe? Katniss Everdeen. I volunteer as tribute. Edward Cullen. Glimmer, 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 glisten. Link. Ha! Ah! Geralt Rivia. Where are the women? Snow White. There is a light. And finally, there is an exchange student. Let me see if I can get his name right. Avada Kedavra. Dead. And the class dies. Wow. You know, I really like when we start in the alternate dimension, Adam. I don't know. It, it, it kind of feels like we start at the top of the mountain, and then everything from there on is just downhill. Well, I mean, can you blame us? Uh, we we fed enough Lincoln logs into the machine, and uh, <laughs> mega blocks. And oh yeah, mega blocks. I'm sorry, um, and also a copy of uh, Fudge, that uh, <laughs> third grade required reading. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, man, no wonder it, it, it sputtered right to life. I mean, it, it couldn't wait any longer. It had so much juice in its bones. Apparently, uh, some, one of the best worlds you can be in is a class in Hogwarts with ev every literary and movie fantasy character. <laughs> I mean, sign me up. What could go wrong? Right, right. I wonder what kind of homework they would get. Uh, probably none. <laughs> Did they do homework at Hogwarts? I don't know. I've read you enough know, Harry Potter to know that they've never done homework. I'd love to see a whole book on Hogwarts where they talk about the assignments and have it be focused on a kid who's failing out. <laughs> that, that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, um, if, when you really think about what the, the Harry Potter stories are about, like, maybe 15, that's really generous, but, like, 
maybe 10% of all the books are just storytelling about actual school things. Yes. In fact, there's one cracked article that says um, that Hogwarts is just a terrorist school. Uh, <laughs> because it doesn't teach you anything like English or math. It just, it just teaches you how to fight. Right, right. Exactly. Who, oh, who are we? Well, Mike, what a question. Descartes has been asking that since, you know, when he was around. But I guess if I were to answer right now, I would have to say I'm Adam, one half of this wonderful podcast. And you would be? I'd be Mike, the other quarter of this wonderful <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> and the other quarter is obviously the wonderful machine that goes into the other dimension. Yep, absolutely. Have we named it? I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm between Betty and Kevin. <laughs> that's a, that's a big, uh, that's a big range you got there. Yeah, yeah, it's either or. Um, that's great. <laughs> yeah. But if you haven't figured it out, we are Bottom Shelf Dreams, and today on the top shelf, aka the premium shelf, is Harry Potter. And uh, a, a wonderful book. One of the first authors that could probably feed her family off of a book. J.K. <laughs> Rowling. Um, and on the bottom shelf, we have ten books that we think you should love just as much as the Harry Potter series. And that's what we do here. We look at the bottom shelf and tell you why you should love what's on the bottom shelf. And Amen to that. Sometimes and... we, we dream about it, too. It's it's true. Sometimes yeah. it's a dream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there there's no greater benchmark uh, in modern YA fiction, fantasy fiction, than you know Harry Potter. I think the torch has been sufficiently passed to Harry Potter in that aspect. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is I can't think of a single book in the '90s that had such um a hit with every child and man child um <laughs> in the in the world like, yeah i can't think of a single like ya book that came out that was like you know hitting people up so hard yeah where it was just like a such a, a worldwide Everyone, like everyone, had to had to have read it. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, though, the first one did come out in 1997. So, yeah, and then like between 1990 and 96, not a single kids' book was written. It's true; they didn't they didn't exist. What about the 80s? Was there anything that existed in the 80s? Uh, yes, all the things I had to read in grade <laughs> school were in the 80s, including Super Fudge and. <laughs> Uh, dear God, it's me, Margaret. <laughs> and Amelia Bedelia. Yeah, Amelia Bedelia. Uh, yeah, well, what else is there? There's uh, Tales of a Third Grade Nothing. <laughs> um, I, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's all yeah, you that's had, it. really. That, that's all that existed. Yeah, back then, all we had was the dictionary, the encyclopedia, and those books. Right, exactly. 
Not, you didn't even have Narnia or Lord of the Rings? No, I think you had to get a premium. Like, you had to, like, <laughs> you had to, like, go to, like, this old mansion, find a bookcase, and uh, borrow one of those books. Because, you know, they didn't, they didn't have Kindles back then, and or a very good printing press. Right, right. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yes. Um, but um but yeah no it's uh the benchmark that that all books are 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 measured against uh you know since you know 19 the 1990s mid 1990s oh. and um you know even even today like it's still going strong with the um fantastic beasts and where to find them and you know it's a it's a whole media juggernaut there's you know you know you've made it when they've made an amusement park after your fiction book Pretty much. And right now, Nintendo is feeling like they didn't make it because <laughs> they uh, they keep getting promised uh, an amusement park, but nothing. But nothing. Yeah. Uh, the uh, royalties are probably too high. Yeah. But one thing I've noticed is that uh, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, has... N- like she stays in that universe. Ninety nine point nine percent of authors go to different worlds, try different genres. Um, you know, they try to build off their success. You know, she just stayed there. She has like one book before Harry Potter, under I think it's under a, a different pseudo name. Um, kudos if you've read it. But you know, once she found Harry Potter. She just stayed in that universe and never left. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean, it's kind of hard to go. Like, where do you go after you've climbed Mount Everest? You know, right? Well, you know, she could change genres. You know, where do you go after you climb Mount Everest? You go hang gliding over a volcano. <laughs> it's, it's not the same thing, but it's it's equally as exciting. That's that's very true. But if I had J.K. Rowling money, I would just pay someone to do that for me. So yes. <laughs> those are called ghostwriters. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Make your money work for you. Mm-hmm. This has been my TED talk. Yes. <laughs> um, so, Mike, we're not here to just talk about Harry Potter, though. I mean, it, it it doesn't need any any introduction beyond you know just you know the boy who lived seven movies. Or mm-hmm. eight movies, seven books, theme park. Um, but maybe, Mike, what are what are some books? Do you think that um, you know deserve as much excitement and um, you know joy around them as as the Harry Potter books? Well, shoot, that's the title of our podcast, and we're about to tell you ten books. Or uh, for me, it's series. Sometimes I I couch them into a series. Yeah, I did um, series too. I mean, yeah, Harry Potter isn't just a book; it's you know, it's yeah. a series. Um, but basically, that's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to remind you, uh, you can subscribe to us um, on your podcast of choice. Um, I've subscribed to us on Spotify. Adam has subscribed to us on Zoomcast. It's true. Uh, yep. And so I, I made up that last one for all. <laughs> yeah, I listened yeah. to it on my uh, sidekick, too. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, 
we're gonna let's just jump right in um this is we haven't done uh like two like three weeks ago we did another top 10 mm-hmm. um and that that actually grossed pretty well in the viewership so we're doing it again um and we're gonna see how it goes so you know here we go yeah for sure and we hadn't done a book yet so we we figured this would be a good way to get a whole bunch of them out of the way at once I actually had to read five books in a week because I had never read a book before. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Well, luckily, the five books I chose were the ones that I love and think deserve as much uh, pleasure as Harry Potter. Perfect. Well, let's get into it. What's your what's your number? Uh, so, what's your first book that you brought? Number one. Um, it's Jasper Fjord's Thursday Next series. Ooh. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump into the plot. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you why Jasper Ford is great. And then I'm going to make up a Hogwarts house for my <laughs> book that um, you can tell me how it fits into the Harry Potter's Hogwarts series. Perfect. Um, so the plot for Thursday Next is Thursday Next is the name of the character. She's a federal officer living in an alternate reality where culture is obsessed with literature. Also, dodos are not extinct in this world. Ooh. She discovers that she can jump inside the book world, a mystical land where every fictional character lives. She becomes a part of a group called Juris Fiction, which catches villains in the literature world that commits crimes. Meanwhile, she gets visited by Shakespeare characters is a sports celebrity in croquet, and she also owns a pet dodo that she loves very much. And here's why I love this series, the Thursday Next series. Uh, Jasper Fjord is a... He's he's like a bad improv game, where players keep coming up with ridiculous ideas that get crazier as time progresses. But Jasper makes it work in such a charming and whimsical way that it seems like genius. You feel like his world should have always existed. On top of all that, he takes the sacred, dark, and dreary topics that we take too seriously, a.k.a. wizard school, and treats them like light and airy cotton candy. Um, Female characters are delightful heroes that are quirky, and yet the person you want to see succeed in everything. His jokes go over the heads of uneducated children. He actually makes up grammar jokes, and you have to be quick to get them. Um, If you are a writer and you need to know how to write a likable female character like Thursday Next, he is your go-to guy. Um, Thursday Next is, she's a likable character, but she has flaws and she's fun. She's basically like a, a Mindy Kaling. Mm. Um, you know, you want Mindy Kaling to win and be successful in all that she does, but you love it when she slips and falls. <laughs> so, if Thursday Next had its own Hogwarts house, it would be the one that all the preps make fun of. <laughs> because it would, be, it would be a house that has its own ball pit and a fun slide. And for some reason, the wizards would only master the art of turning things into jelly beans. That's what, they, that's what they would decide on. And, you know, and you could ask why, but they won't tell you. Um, 
But for some reason, this art of turning things into jelly beans would be so mastered, it would have its own law and its own government that you'd think it, it belonged there the whole time. Um, so I give to you the house of gummy worms and tea. Beautiful. Mm. It's beautiful. Um, no, that, I mean, that sounds, that sounds incredible. And in a, in a time when um, Hollywood is trying to get more um, female-led media, it's, it's refreshing to see someone do it right. And, oh, yeah. Um, and as you, were, as you were retelling, you know, the, the, the general overview of the plot, it kind of reminded me of the, uh, the, that rare game. Or it's not rare, but it's the, the people that, I think they're called like Team 17 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that used to work at Rare, and they made a game called Yuka and Laylee. And yep. it's kind of similar. They go to like, they go into different books and they have to help people in the books and they have to capture like the villains and they have to do like quirky, crazy, rare uh, platforming things. So you, you know you're in for a good time when, when your media is, is, you know, centered around that as its plot. Oh yeah, it's such it's such a genius idea. And just to kind of give you a little taste of the humor, um, the author tells uh, waiting for Godot jokes. So <laughs> there's there's a scene where they're having a meeting, and whenever they do roll call, they say, uh, you know, where's Godot? You know, have you seen Godot? Oh man, we're always waiting for her, and that's the running joke, and that's what you can expect. No, that's that's awesome, right? That's great, and it's it's perfect. I feel like that that kind of perfectly encapsulates kind of like the YA fiction genre. Like your the writing isn't necessarily just for twelve year olds. It can also be for you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen year olds that might you know that'll get that reference. Right, absolutely, and it's cool that she gets a gun that shoots out erasers. Yeah, that is pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> and so who, was, who was that written by again? Jasper Fjord. Um, if you ever want to look up his name, his name starts with two Fs. Ooh. Um, his, his website is just a white blank space with uh, 12 rows of random things you can click on. Interesting. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's disorganized. It's chaos and poetry. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's good stuff. Well, shall I jump into my first one? Oh, please do. Um, so mine uh is a um is a series, uh much like Harry Potter. And um this this book definitely kind of falls into the I, I would say maybe the younger end of the spectrum of YA fiction. Like I would definitely expect like a it's probably more for like a, a twelve to fourteen year old to kind of get into these these books and that's not to say that they're not good or they're not worth checking out um but it's the uh children of the lamp series written by british author pb kerr have you Uh, heard of these have you heard of these mike no no uh tell me more i I thought for sure you were going to hit the top two christian books (laughs) uh, which would be uh you know jenkins left behind and 
<laughs> I don't know uh, where to that, go with that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll be my, my final two. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but so these, these books, uh, there's seven of them in total, much like Harry Potter. Um, but a, they follow after uh, the two main characters, uh, John and Philippa Gaunt. They're, um, they're both 12-year-old twins. And uh, they are also genies, or djinn. So nice. Um, they um, they kind of the the first couple books are kind of them exploring and learning their powers, and you know learning the uh, the responsibilities of of what it means to be uh, a genie. And then they also find out that there are you know groups of evil genie that they have to to battle against, and they have to you know explore lost cities and they have to discover you know lost artifacts to help them in their battles and um and it, you know it's just like a, a coming to te- a, a coming of age story of um you know kids that are kind of learning their place in the world learning their powers how they can affect others how they f- affect themselves and you know all while holding the ultimate power in the universe having complete control over luck and wishes so you know always a good time I really like the genie twist on it, but then you one-upped your story by turning it into an Indiana Jones thing. <laughs> it's it's really great. I mean, uh, also, you know, they the way that they travel, they don't just, you know, go by boring, you know, biplane from place to place. They They summon up things like pink Ferraris or riding camels through New York City or, you know, just, you know, just crazy, crazy and fun stuff like that. Um, and, you know, each, you know, each subsequent book gets a little crazier, gets a little different, you know, they change up the theme, you know, they go to, um, you know, they go to China, they go, um, like I said, they go to America, they go to, they go to a lot of different places, a lot of stuff in the Middle East, and, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, although I will say there's a, a, a single caveat is, so... The in the book, obviously, uh, the jinn or the genies, they're, they they embody the spirit of fire, and uh, this is this is pretty funny because I was um, I remember this book because I obviously read it as a kid growing up, and I, I enjoyed them thoroughly. And then I was talking with somebody else the other day about how um, you know, like sometimes you know you'll be watching like a kids' TV show or something, and they'll like sneak something in that like are just for the adults. You know what I'm talking about? No, oh, yeah. Um, in this one, uh, it's pretty funny. So because you know the genies are the embodiment of fire, um, smoking is actually good for them. So oh, <laughs> it dang. actually extends. So they uh, the ki- there's a running joke about the kids trying to, to to sneak off and get some cigarettes, but they aren't they aren't humans, so it's okay. It's okay for them. But I j- I had to say this for. The, the the listeners at home don't smoke cigarettes. They're bad for you unless you're a genie. Yes, young ears, step out of the room. I'm gonna have to re-edit this so that I uh, censor that out, Adam. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, and uh, I I would say that uh, I would love for this this book to uh, you know just get some more just get some more love. It's it's fun. They're they're great adventure series. They're they're 
It's got a good mix of fantasy, a good mix of history, a good mix of hijinks. And, um, you know, for a while, DreamWorks was thinking about making a movie. Then they passed it on to Paramount. And the Paramount was thinking about it. And then they passed it on to Disney. And that's where it kind of died. Um, so Disney, where dreams go to die. Where dreams go to die. Yes. And, um, but... Yeah, you know, I think it would just it would make a a really good movie, and I mean, hey, if Artemis Fowl can get uh, a really bad movie remake, so can this. Um, and uh, if these guys were uh, in Harry Potter land and they were in Hogwarts and they, uh, you know, they had to have a house, I think, um, much like your description, I think that they're. Um, their 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 room would be kind of full of mischief and jokes and practical effects of Ferraris and camels and penguins flying everywhere. Um, but I think I would like it to be kind of like Middle Eastern kind of Oasis themed. And, you know, you kind of come in and there's, you know, uh, you're instantly hit with the smells of a, a spice bazaar and um, yeah, you know, lots of hummus. Right, and <laughs> Robin Williams is, you know, trying to sell you something off in the corner, um, a, a, a magic lamp, and um, and I think that would be the 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 flag. The standard would be uh, a, a golden lamp, and that would they would be the house of the golden lamp, and it would be awesome and wonderful, and it would be a lot larger on the inside than it would be on the outside, obviously. Naturally, yeah. And um, I think the Gummy Worms and Tea House have uh, done joint things with uh, the the House of Golden Lamps. I'm pretty sure of it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. So, that, that was your book. That sounds like an excellent book. I, I kept visualizing your book, and it just it tickled me way more than any of those boring... Um, psychological thrillers. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's definitely um, like Harry Potter definitely is a as a coming of age like maturity kind of tale. But these, you know, the the Children of the Lamp series, it's just it's just fun, man. It's just a good time, and it's just kids being kids, you know. So Harry Potter is a coming of age, but your book is an undoing of age. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, kids. also, when you think about it, genies live for a really, really long time. So they stay kids for quite a while. Absolutely. So my book, number two mm-hmm. for me, um, I'm going to go with a different author. Just kidding. It's Jasper Ford's The Last Dragon Slayer series. <laughs> so, yes, he writes two good series and I have to talk about them. So, the Last Dragon Slayer series is kind of a parody of Harry Potter, um, using the whole wizard school, um, but it's on a much more bizarre slant. Um, So, the plot is Jennifer Strange is a wizard magic user who runs a mystical arts management center. Um, She rents out wizards to people as lucrative business, because in this world, wizards are like computer technicians that solve everyday problems. Um, the book I read, The Eye of Zoltar, has her being forced by the world's greatest magician, Shandar 
to fetch the Eye of Zoltar, or he will threaten to kill the last two dragons in existence. Uh, Jennifer Strange must now go on a quest in a world that has a bunch of bizarre rules for wizards. There is a kingdom that promises tourists that 50% of their party will die by the end of the journey. Um, There's weird magic spells that levitate you or turn dragons into rubber. Um, There's a tribe of zombie-like creatures that are just folded clothing that jumps up. Um, And they're always trying to find uh, the, the bones of these flying leviathan teeth. Whoa. Yeah. So that's that's a huge uh, subplot in there, too. Uh, just like the last book that Jasper wrote, um, he does not give a lick about serious and rational things in his world. But <laughs> the bizarre world he does create is so loyal. His world-building skills are chaotic neutral at best. But still, they're so rich, they're so hardy, he... he He anchors down on them, and he doesn't let go. So he is the Mr. Bean of writing. And I mean that with all, all sincerity. Um, Because Mr. Bean, he's goofy, but deep down, you know, he is the best actor you will ever meet this side of the pond. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and once again, Jasper writes about females. And he makes them credible heroes that care about, that you could care about. They get into relationships, they fight for their honor, they make jokes at their own expense. And So they're humans. They're humans, yeah. Um, I, I follow this Facebook group and the, about writers and how to write, and the women are always complaining about how the men write. And they're like, you know women can't do this, right? And uh, yeah, that that doesn't actually uh, that doesn't explain the women's monthly at all. So stop writing that. And uh, yeah, women <laughs> women don't wear that on a normal basis. So you know, stop stop writing that. And <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, um, when he writes about women, it's 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 a female that is heroic and brave. But you you would feel very comfortable sitting next to them and watching a Netflix show. Now that's, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And so I, I, I do, uh, I gotta say the, the art, I looked up, uh, I grabbed my uh, trusty iPad to, to take a look at um, the, the, the art for some of these books just so I can kind of picture these, these better. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, it, it's, it's, you know, it, the art is exact, matches exactly kind of your, just the description that you're, that you're given, you know, like it's, it's 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 bright it's colorful it's mm-hmm. you know it, it it inspires these these kind of grand adventures and man i i got to see these flying leviathan creatures hey um one of the jokes what i love what jasper ford does is he turns all his fantasy into some kind of bureaucratic government <laughs> so um yeah like just like fighting fiction has all these rules and laws and forms you have to fill out. Right. Right. Just just like doing magic. You have to fill out all these forms. Um, if you're going on an adventure, um, you can't call it a quest because then you have to pay quest tax. So you have to, you have to call it a search. (laughs) And so, 
so her party is like, we're going on a quest. She's like, no, it's a search. Don't let them hear you say that. <laughs> so just that kind of stuff um, that I love. Um, yeah, that's 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 so wonderful. I love that. Right. If the Last Dragon Slayer series was a house at Hogwarts, it would be a dorm room that is floating and upside down. And if you asked why it was like that, the members of the house would carefully explain 15 bylaws and 13 moments in history that made it like that, and then teach you the creed of the upside down house warriors. And by <laughs> the end, yeah, by the end, you would want to die for the upside down house legacy because it is so rich and noble. I present to you the House of Randomonium. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it. Oh, man. Um, so for, for my second one, um, uh, it's a, another science fiction fantasy series written by uh, American author DJ McHale. Um, they were published... Um, uh, 2002 to 2009, and this is um, and this one is definitely more on the the other end of the the spectrum for my last book. You know, think more along the lines of like Hunger Games or, um, you know, Divergent. You know, that 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 end of the spectrum. Um, but the the series is called Pendragon: Journal of an Adventure Through Time and Space. Uh, that's a bit of a mouthful. But it's you know it's more commonly known as as Pendragon, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I've actually and, heard Pendragon. Is that a is that a version? Um, you yeah, it's spelled P E N D R A G O N. Um, so say it however you feel like it. <laughs> um, and there's uh you know there's ten of them. There's ten books. Um available in hardback and paperback i'm sure and each book deals with um the main character uh bobby uh and he is part of this um the best way i guess i can describe what what's happening here is if doctor who met artemis fowl and he met like some like uh, hard-nosed detective from the 1920s, and they had a baby. That would be this book. Um, there was a lot in that sentence. <laughs> oh, I'm so, not going to even diagram it. <laughs> it's impossible to. Yeah. Um, but essentially, Bobby, the main character, discovers that he and his his family are are part of this group of people called travelers. And um, they can travel via wormholes uh, to different planets, to different cultures. And uh, their job is to um, to stop or reverse the destruction of a of a villain named Saint Dane, who is a time or a shape shifting demon whose favorite form is a uh, a tall, very tall human with icy blue eyes and long gray gray hair. But he can transformed to various things like a raven or smoke and you know other scary giant things and he he kind of represents you know the he, he kind of represents chaos in the the battle of, of order versus chaos and um, what makes this this book really unique is that it's told via first person so it's like Bobby the main character is writing 
a journal as he uh, as he kind of goes on these adventures and he writes in first person obviously and he kind of recounts the adventures of his uh, of his journey and uh, it's it's almost like a, a letter or like a a thing of record keeping to send back to his friends and family at home and every once in a while they'll it'll shift over to like a third person narrative sometimes to tell the story of like a a character that Bobby has met or. Um, and another one of the characters will be will be told in third person, but um, it's it's cool to see uh, you know a, a, a YA fiction book kind of exploring um, uh, uh, another perspective uh, of writing. It's not just you know the it's not just the narrator kind of explaining and telling you what, what's going on, but it, instead it's you know the the character himself is is explaining and telling what is what is happening, and you know and and, and in classic you know, postmodern vibes. Um, sometimes he's unreliable and sometimes it's skewed and it really helps to show his growth as a character and, you know, some preconceived notions he might have about a culture or a person. Um, you get, you know, pure and unadulterated and then, you know, as he experiences and grows, his opinions can change and it's, it's, it's a real kind of, uh, like a real-time uh, experience as he kind of retells his stories. So it's it's a very unique storytelling um, uh, perspective, a, a very unique storytelling um, choice. And uh, for me, it 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 works. It's it's compelling. It's it's uh, it's fun, and it's uh, and it it deals with some you know really kind of serious um, moral quandaries, much kind of like. Uh, Doctor Who, uh, where kind of it, it, you know, they explore really serious topics, but kind of under the guise of a of a kids show, right? And I too am looking at the cover arts of these books, and uh, this main character, what's his name? Bobby. Bobby. He has such a serious face in all of the books, <laughs> like almost, almost like. Do you know what I've been through? <laughs> right? No, yeah. is, doesn't he look like every kind of like Harnell's Pulp Fiction detective? In some of these covers, he kind of looks like a very young Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, you look at the, some of the titles, The Merchant of Death, The Lost City of Far, The Never yep. War, The Reality right. Plug. Like, you know, these are, these are serious, these are serious titles, man. But on top of that, DJ McCall wrote for the show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, That's true. Which, which is uh, that Nickelodeon show that gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, he's definitely got the, uh, he's got uh, the horror roots, and it, it definitely comes through with that. I, I wouldn't say that they're, um... You know they're they're necessarily terrifying, but there's definitely like some psychological horror if that makes sense. It's like uh, like a you know kind of like you know every once in a while on Doctor Who you get like a an existential fear of like of of dread if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's it's definitely a a, a more kind of mature book, um, but I I think that this would be a fantastic um, TV show as opposed to like a movie um, and kind of 
you know, I, I definitely kind of can envision it as being like a, an American version of, of Doctor Who. It definitely has those vibes. Right. Um, and I think that if um, this, if, if the, the characters from this book were to have um, like a, a room at, at Hogwarts, I mean, man, this is this is a tough one because there's not necessarily like iconography that like um, kind of like goes from from book to book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, because really the iconography is this idea of like these doors, right? These doors are what allow them to kind of jump from dimension to dimension to reality to reality. Um, but. Uh, I, I, I guess it would be like a, a door that's like slightly opening and uh, the whole uh, the whole thing about that uh, the room that you live in every time you open it and you walk in you're, it, the room appears different so every time you, you walk in and walk out it, it always changes on you so uh, one day you walk in and it's a, you know, a, a Brooklyn uh, studio apartment the next time you walk in, you know, it's a, it's an English farmhouse. The next time you walk in, it's uh, a Chuck E. Cheese. So every time you get something new, every time you walk in and out of it. I like that. They should make a Netflix series based on that. They really should. I'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's very much in the veins of, you know, like, I could see it, I could see it giving the kind of like the, the Umbrella Chronicles sort of treatment or um, mm-hmm. like like Riverdale or, um, you know, what have you. Those yeah. kind of... Like, I think that this that this is just what the Doctor ordered. Right, right. So, my third book Ooh. is... I was... Uh, the backstory to this is I was looking up the sword and sorcery genre Ooh. because... I was so tired of getting all these these fantasy books of just like children who are reluctant to jump into something and they feel so young and innocent and by the end you know they feel like heroes but they're really 15 years old <laughs> like I wanted something that felt less kiddy and you know I wanted something where like barbarians and ogres are fighting on dinosaurs you know, while uh, wizards are shooting fireballs at them, and that, like, this, the author would have written, like, 15 backstories to each character. Right. So I found a guy named Fritz Lieber. Ooh. And he's known for short stories, but he kind of builds this whole world around these short stories. So the book that I read was Adventure of Fafrid. <laughs> I cannot spell that word um, or pronounce it. I can spell it, but I can't pronounce it. It's like F-A-F-R-H-D. Adventure of Fafrid. Fafrid's tribe journeys into a cold corner the southernmost region of the land, where they trade with merchants from the south and attend the show. Fafrid, although betrothed to Mara, meets Valana Lefay, an actress with the show, and is besotted by her. 
Despite the demands and curses from his mother, alongside her coven, he leaves the cold waste to travel with Valana and see the southern kingdoms for himself. Now, Fritz Lieber is old school. They don't write like this anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Because this, this Frotford character is, he's like 6'7". He's like really smart. He solves puzzles. He can chop anything with an axe. And they, they really built this guy up. Um, made him into like a jacked RPG warrior type guy. Nice. Yeah. So I love that right off the bat. And, you know, it's it's old school sword and sorcery. And people say that Fritz Lieber is, you know, he's akin to Ray Bradbury in his writing style. Ooh. Yeah. So much praise. So if you think of J.K. Rawlings as like a the pop punk of fantasy, then Fritz is the full classic orchestra of fantasy. <laughs> Um, so wow. he paints, yeah, when you read his stuff, he paints worlds that are brimming with color, realism, and heavy explanations on how things work. Nice. Um, and you cannot sit through one of his thick, short stories without feeling like a giant hand is trying to shove a whole world into your brain. Um, and in this world, there's a magic system, complete tribal history, and a ton of movie-making material that would make poor Peter Jackson have his head explode. <laughs> So, yeah, the the Fafrid house in Hogwarts it would be a mansion where every piece of furniture, painting, vase, lampstand is worth a million dollars each and should not be touched by children. <laughs> and that, of course, Harry, Ron, and Hermione are always getting scolded because they always want to touch that golden vase from the Ming Dynasty whenever they get near the house. Um, meanwhile, the students that are there, they're, they're just like very educated students who know how to chop wood and they only wear animal skins. So Gross. this is the house of Frafrid. <laughs> I love it. You know, it, it, it sounds like he's doing his best to kind of honor those poetic Eddas from, you know, Snorly Snurligin and all those dudes. Snorry Snurless. I'm sorry. I, I apologize to uh, the, the Viking ancestors. I pray that they don't smite me down. Um, but yeah, no, it, it sounds like they, uh, you know, they're, they're really doing, uh, he's doing, uh, kind of paying respect to those, um, to those guys. And definitely also getting, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger with the, uh, the Atlantis sword or whatever. And, you know, just the, you know, those classic, classic like no frills like this this is what it is hard news fantasy stories and that i i love it i will warn you that short story i read in the adventure of frefred um is an adultery story um where he runs off with valana the showgirl and <laughs> his betrothed no. his betrothed mara is like hey i'm pregnant uh-oh. Uh, could could you not run off with this girl? And he kind of he kind of says as long as I'm here, I'll always be with you and then he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Oh. Uh so yeah, so you know, speaking of smoking, <laughs> that's the smoking of this story. Perfect. <laughs> 
Well, mine was more tongue in cheek. Yours was definitely <laughs> unsavory. <laughs> mine is the House of Cards of bad morals. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, that sounds like uh, a compelling story, Mike. Hey, right. I, I love it. I mean, it's it's you know it's very old school. It's like those, you know, it's 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 like the. You know, it's it's like the the Odyssey, you know, like Odysseus is like, you know, he's out at sea and he gets caught up in the siren song and he wants to be faithful to his wife, but he, you know, he, he stays on an island with a, a random sea witch for a bunch of years. You know, it is what it is. Who can't say we've done that? <laughs> right. You know, yes. I, I, I went to I went to the supermarket today and it took me eight years to get home because they got waylaid by a wood witch. The witch that runs the steam sail always gets me for a few years. <laughs> Amen to that. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Mike, are you are you ready to take a a real left hand turn from everything that we've been talking about? Right. Let let me guess. Yours is a the biopic of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> How did you know? I it... just figured it out. <laughs> It's uh, it's this book called um, War and Peace, and <laughs> no, <laughs> um, this is this is gonna this is gonna be uh, an interesting one, and um, it's definitely not an IP that uh, needs any help or advertising. Um, but considering that there are so there are so many young fans that are you know, coming into the fold year after year. I think it's good to kind of talk about these books. Are you ready, Mike? I'm so ready. Say it. Goosebumps. Mike, (laughs) have you heard of a little thing called Star Wars? Okay, tell me more. (laughs) Um, So there's this book series uh, that came out that that was published by um, uh, the primary author. His name is Jude Watson. Um, and there's a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, canon Star Wars works published between 1989 and 2000 called Star Wars Jedi Apprentice. And, uh, it's about the, the adventures of young Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi and his master Qui-Gon Jinn. And, the, and all the stories kind of take place pre-Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Okay. Um, so the, the series was originally written and targeted for, like, 9 to 12-year-olds, but um, the the writing style is uh, and the themes in it are, like, weirdly, like, really mature for that age group. Right. <laughs> and um, and the, it, it's definitely written in, like, a, a Pulp Fiction sort of style, um, <laughs> and because of that, there's, like, a really big, like, adult audience for these books. Almost kind of exactly like the cartoon series Star Wars The Clone Wars. Right. Um, so, like I said, like, it, it follows Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, and uh, the, the kind of, the overall running plot is that Obi-Wan has to kind of become uh, uh, an apprentice. He must, he's got to finish all his training by his 13th birthday. But um, Qui Gon Jinn is like is having problems, like getting him to like to buckle down and to focus. 
um, and kind of Obi-Wan is, you know, your typical headstrong kind of teenager, and, um, and you know, because, because of that, um, Obi-Wan kind of makes a lot of these choices that kind of get him into a lot of trouble. So the, the first book in particular um, has um, Obi-Wan actually deciding to, um, to break his Jedi oath and break from the Jedi Temple. And he kind of joins up with these other young, young people in a civil war on a planet to kind of save them after the Jedi Council decides to, like, to, to not intervene. So he kind of like becomes this guerrilla fighter on this planet, and then he eventually finds out that the that there is a, a a former Jedi that's kind of uh, a bad guy that's uh, on the the enemy side, and he used to be Qui Gon's friend. And so Obi Wan obviously makes his way back to the Jedi Temple. He becomes a Jedi again, and they they defeat evil and you know, the, the rest of the Star Wars canon goes on as you see in the movies. But um, this, is, this, this book is great. I mean, it's, it's everything that you love about Star Wars um, and without all the stuff that you hate about Star Wars. There, there are no racist uh, side silly characters that don't do anything to the plot. There's no convoluted George Lucas writing style. There's no bad CGI. Um, this is the Mandalorian wait, before wait. the Mandalorian. Is there sand? Oh, you better believe it. And it's soaked with blood. Oh, and the women and children too. Absolutely. Oh man. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the this book series is great. It's like uh, it's a, it's exactly like I said. It's like the the Clone Wars the the tv series but in book form and if they made this into a tv series again i think disney not that they already aren't but they would just print money man this would this would be great um because you know the the relationship between qui-gon and obi-wan are are definitely the things that save phantom menace and Hmm. Uh, it's it's cool to see just the the development more behind their relationship because you definitely don't get that in Phantom Menace. But right, um, like I said, like I said, this book deals with a lot of like really serious, really mature themes. Like Obi Wan becomes like a, a guerrilla fighter, like a, a child soldier, basically. Um, and yeah, so it's it's really um, it's it's an intense book and it's really good. And I think if you're an adult uh, or if you're um, uh, uh, a nine through twelve year old, you you would love you. You're gonna love this book. Um, yeah. and it's it's definitely written in that kind of episodic way that Clone Wars is told in. So it's very, um, it, it definitely feels like um, you know those those kind of pulp fictions that you can you can pick them up off the shelf and you don't have to necessarily worry about what the last one was about because each. Each one is almost like a, a self-contained story, and you know you're getting you're getting an awesome action-packed story arc each time you you crack open a book. Right, and I totally feel for you on the the Star Wars books are hard to read because hmm. in grade school we had the Return of the Jedi book, and I decided to start there with reading Star Wars. <laughs> right, right. 
And I didn't understand a single thing that was happening. Like, <laughs> like I, I was reading. Words were going into my brain, but right. my my imagination was like, nope, I can't use that. Nope, I, I don't understand that. <laughs> at, at one part, like I, you know, when they're uh, they're on those speeders uh, yeah. through the forest mm-hmm. um, on Endor. Yeah, I was reading that scene and i was like 30 minutes into that scene until i realized hey this sounds a lot like the endor speeder race <laughs> and i'm like oh i know where we are in the book right 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 yeah and, and and that's the i think that's the problem with a lot of you know the the former canon star wars books you know the the new republic stuff um it was there was just such a hurdle to get into those um you know you in order to read, you know, the any of the fifty books, you have to start at the first one. Then you have to find the right first one with the right, right. author. Then you have to skip around and just to figure out, you know, what what to make of these stories. So, if you're a fan of Star Wars and you just want to sit down and pick up a book that's easy to read and not to worry about anything else, this is the book series for you. And at first, I was gonna, you know, be hard on you because. You know, we're supposed to look at bottom shelf things, and everyone knows Star Wars is on the top shelf. Very then true. I, but then I remember that Disney bottom shelfed every book written in Star Wars that was canon. It's true. It's very true. So this this book, while when it came out was canon, is now no longer canon. So it's outside right. of Disney's control. Absolutely. It's like the writers took every Star Wars book after the Jedi thing, and they just they just crossed it out in pen and wrote Star Trek. And they said, <laughs> oh, Star Wars must end after Return of the Jedi. Right. Yeah. None of these exist. Yeah. So if so, you want to if you want to give Disney the finger, the accusing, accusing an, accu- finger. an accusatory finger wag. Yes. <laughs> this is the book Be- for you. Yep. Oh, and uh, what kind of house would these uh, Jedi live in? in oh Hogwarts? man, um, I'm I'm thinking like it's you know it's got the the classic kind of whoosh door uh, yeah. that you get in every Star Wars, <laughs> but you know there's um, you know the the symbol of the Jedi right on the front the lightsaber and that that sort of thing. And you you walk in and it's um, but it's it's not like nice and kind of clean and cool, kind of like the you know, the, the original trilogy is, um, and nor is it, like, kind of campy, like the, the original trilogy. It's, like, really gritty and kind of grungy, kind of like the Mandalorian. So, like, you come in there, and there's, you're in a cantina, and, you know, some sh- guys in the corner are giving you a shifty eye, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, do you know who I am? I'm wanted in, like, 30 star systems, and you, you and your grandpa cut off his arm with a lightsaber. Absolutely. Every vacation I've ever dreamed of. Right. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So uh, we're on to book number four. And do you know of a, a little author named Orson Scott Card? Oh, he's only one of the most prolific science fiction writers of all time. Well, what a little thing called Ender's Game. Indeed, he did. But he also wrote a book called Enchantment. Ooh. And in the book Enchantment, 
It stars Ivan Smetsky. He's a Ukrainian linguist who finds a sleeping princess in the forest. Um, he kisses her awake, and she immediately tells him that they are now married and that he must fight in her Slavonic 10th century world, terrorized by Baba Yaga. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, are you sure this isn't just a fever dream? <laughs> oh, man, I, I wish. Uh, no, actually, I don't wish, because then it wouldn't be written. Uh, <laughs> this, fe- this fever dream is nine ninety nine on Audible. Uh-huh. This book sounds actually a lot, and I'll, I'll let you finish but this, and I'll explain a little bit later too. But this sounds a lot like um, The Witcher and the uh, the original uh, the original like stories written by uh, also a Polish author. Surprise, surprise! But continue. Right. So yeah, just like that other book, he is uh, he's time traveled when he walks into this part of the forest. He goes to to tenth century. Uh, Ukraine with his new wife that he didn't know that kissing a wife awake uh, makes her your wife. But he discovers that Baba Yaga is a magic user who wants to kill the princess because the princess is a threat to her power. Also, um, it's a Slavonic town in the 10th century, so it's like uh, Christians, but they're very superstitious Christians. Right, right, right. So they kind of believe in magic, but they kind of don't. They kind of believe, like, Jesus was a magician. Um, So Ivan takes his wife to modern times, where Ivan's fiancé is very angry that he got married to a 10th century girl. (laughs) Um, And he has to explain that the rules are rules. When you kiss a girl awake, you have to marry her. And your word is as good as deed. Um... (laughs) But after all her bitterness and resent, um, it gets smoothed over, and he has to go help pr- the princess go back to war against Baba Yaga in order to save her town. And to do this, um, to fight magic, he uses um, the technology of their time. So he uses their primitive elements to in- invent the first dynamite and uses it against Baba Yaga's army. And so there's there's one scene where there's a like a priest, and this is actually a very sad scene, and it kind of reveals Orson Scott Card's uh, theology a bit. But um, the priest is like, you know, we don't need technology; we have Jesus on our side. And then he gets rushed by all these soldiers, and he's like, "In the name of Jesus, you know, halt!" And then he gets his head cut off. And then they have to, and then the the main character throws the dynamite, and that's what saves. Well, he doesn't save his day, but it saves a day. Right, someone's day. Someone's day gets saved, and so it's just like that's sad, um, and uh, definitely not historical, but it's still sad. Um, (laughs) Orson Scott Card steps away from spaceships and alien armies to make this rich and hearty fantasy based on 10th century Christianity. Christianity, Slavonic mythology, and ancient boogie women named Baba Yaga. Uh, not not Keanu Reeves in this Oh, case. I was just going to ask, is yeah. Keanu in this? Uh, the story excels in its love of history and mythology, but also the protagonists are flawed in a way that makes you love them more. And this is what I really love, is that Ivan is always arguing with his new 10th century wife. Um, and <laughs> 
their arguments are like she believes that electricity is a form of magic and he gets in arguments with her he's like no why won't you believe me it's science she's like no i think you're wrong i think it's magic (laughs) and so they get into that and you know she'll be like um you're not being very christian um because you don't follow this rule and it's it's a funny back and forth between them um but also, Baba Yaga is a, one of those weird villains who casts spells that are right. probably uh, more true to Ukrainian mythology. And one of her spells is to make your butt itch forever. <laughs> I and, think I have that. Yeah, yeah. she does it to one of the pilots in this airplane, and that's, that's her attack against him. <laughs> so, so they just shoot him down with an F-16. Yeah, yep. So... The house of Orson Scott Card is more like a museum in Hogwarts. There's old stained glass windows. All the students speak Latin. Uh, the magic spells they learn are based on miracles of the Old Testament. <laughs> uh, Hogwarts kids find this house boring, but that is because they don't understand European history. Uh, <laughs> Even though they themselves are <laughs> European history. Yes. Sometimes Dumbledore and Snape like to attend the old mystic church services at times, um, you know, just to just to fit in. And also, it's very easy to find a wife in this house. <laughs> so, or a husband. Yep, I, I present to you the house of Historia. <laughs> I love that. That's like some kind of like fever dream mix of The Witcher and. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah. It really is, except you get rid of Geralt and you add uh, a linguist who <laughs> gets into arguments with his 10th century wife. Right, right. And just holds up a, a big, huge rifle and just shouts, this is my boomstick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's incredible. I love that. That's... That- that might be the weirdest. That might be the weirdest book mentioned today. <laughs> oh man! And just the, just the fact that I wrote uh, my first one was about a girl that goes in books and shoots villains with erasers. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that's that's what it. This is where we are. <laughs> yeah. Okay, man. Um, my next book. This is. This is some. This is a book that uh, I definitely kind of attribute to my uh, my current situation of of kind of being in love with Dungeons and Dragons. Like, um, this book is uh, written by an author named uh, John Flanagan. He's from the wonderful country of Australia, and his book series is called The Ranger's Apprentice. Have you heard of these? I have not. They're great. So the the series follows the main character. His name is Will. He kind of starts off um, as he's an orphan. So um, in in this world, um, you know, orphans can um, their certain certain amount of orphans will be adopted by um, the Lord or the Baron of in, in the local area, and then they'll be put into a, a school. And while they're there, they'll kind of get, like, uh, they'll be trained. And eventually they'll be accepted as an apprentice to someone. So, like, 
uh, a main character or a main character. Another character could be like a baker's apprentice or eventually and they, they have like the Lord's blessing and, you know, they kind of go out and it's just kind of like a, an act of goodwill. But Will, Will is kind of like the rent of the litter and he doesn't really have any uh, remarkable skills or so he thinks until um, he eventually gets uh, adopted into uh, the Ranger Guild which they're essentially just really skilled trackers, skilled archers and warriors, and they, they're kind of like the, you know, the, the British SAS uh, of medieval kingdoms uh, of the world of uh, Aurelian. So they, their, their jobs are kind of to keep the kingdom safe from the invaders, fight off traitors, various other threats. And um, uh, the, the story mostly focuses around kind of the relationship between Will and his kind of gruff uh, exterior, but a heart of gold interior uh, mentor whose name is Holt and uh, Will's best friend, Horace. And um, you know, there's, there's a, a bunch of these books. There's 16 of them. So, you, you know, once you get started, you can, uh, there's, there's a lot to keep you occupied. Um, and, there, uh, there's even a, a spin-off series uh, that you can you can read, um, but the the main series, uh, you know, mostly follows around around Will and his kind of his coming of age and and learning skills to be a ranger, and then all the kind of court intrigue around it. So it's like a it's a low it's so it's it's a low fantasy world. So it's not like um, you know it's not like Lord of the Rings or narnia where there's a whole lot of magic going on it's it's definitely more um it's less sorcery and more sword um so and it, it's it definitely reads kind of if if there was a an equivalent i would say that it's uh it's like a tom clancy novel that's set place in medieval europe that sounds pretty cool because i've yeah. always wanted um a fantasy SWAT team. <laughs> yeah, that's what basically is what these guys are. They're like the you know, they're the elite of the elite, man. Like they you know, they, they get special bow training and you know, they, they learn hand to hand combat and they're not to be trifled with. I very much think Aragorn in, in Lord of the Rings Ranger. To think that these are like um camouflaged warriors Sneaking through a manor, uh, using like magical code words like "eagle has entered." Exactly. Hostile doubt. Ex- exactly. <laughs> um, it's you know that that's literally yeah that's that's basically what this is this is about and um, yeah so the the book is very centered around political intrigue and you know kingdoms disobeying border disputes and. You know, finding that you know, oh no, this army is about to come through the pass, and I gotta evade and survive long enough to get back to the king and to rally up an army to to go fight them. So, uh, you know, if you're into if you're into some really awesome action sequences, if you're really into, um, you know, kind of more sword, less sorcery, um, then uh, this is the the book series for you. And uh, I think if this this book was to 
have a uh, a special room or a special door uh, in Hogwarts. Uh, so the the Rangers in this universe are are kind of known for having this uh, special. So they they carry around these weapons. They're kind of longer than daggers and knives, but they're shorter than swords. Um, and they're kind of like sharp only on one edge, and the other edge is like um, straight for blocking. And it's called a seax. Um, so I think it would be uh, two of those kind of put together in front of like a, a an oak tree. And when you would come into it, you'd you'd find yourself mysteriously in a a medieval oak forest, and there would be birds, and there would be serpents, and then you would kind of come into a meadow, and there would be a bunch of merry green men dancing around, uh, you know, the the beds and the tables. Yes, and, you know, there would be feasting, and it would be wonderful and glorious. Uh, yeah, I, I thought you were going to end all girly on that, but. <laughs> You yeah. held the you held the machoism till the I very did. end. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is this is a very macho book, but it's um, but it, there's also like there there's definitely tender moments too. Like Will deals a lot with um identity and uh, obviously being an orphan. So he growing up, he definitely was he deals with a lot of bullying and um, it, there's a lot of him kind of overcoming his demons and. You know the relationships that he has with the other orphans, you know true love and and all that sort of stuff. So it's 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 definitely got your 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 checkbox YA fiction stuff, but it does it well in in a style that's not replicated. And you know that's my biggest gripe with YA fiction is um, a lot of the young authors today uh, when they're they're writing they don't write their characters to be very professional right their, char- their characters are either like very smug lara crofts right or they're like very goofy boys right right but i you know when the book starts and the guy's like a hardcore professional you know drinks his whiskey at 2 a.m wakes right. up at six you know <laughs> can shoot a melon nine miles away blindfolded right that's where I like to start my books. Yeah, so it's it's great. Um, they're they're it's a fun series, and um, yeah, if you like that sort of thing, definitely give it give it a go. Right, hey, Adam, the fifth book in my series. I saved the best for last. Uh, those Ooh. other four books were just uh, minor ogre battles. <laughs> Um, but this is the whole Minas Tirith, uh, if I'm getting that uh, that reference correctly in Lord of the Rings. Eh, close enough. Yep. Uh, this is the Nazgul versus Aragorn uh, <laughs> on this one. Um, as you as you know, and only you know, because I haven't brought it up on pa- podcast, is um, I have I've written two books. Um, both in a series called The Boy and His Curse and The Boy and His Crisis. And it's about a sword and sorcery and, um, you know, awkward coming of ages and, you know, trolls and fairies fighting each other. And it was a ton of fun to write. And I could talk about that book, but I'd rather you read it. Um, <laughs> but this is the book that created the foundation for my writing. And Ooh. so if you read my book and you hate my book, then um, 
please don't take it out on Brian Jacques. Um, <laughs> he, he's still a good writer, even if my book stinks in your eyes. But um, Brian Jacques wrote the Red Wall series. Yes. Yes. Now, let me just paint this picture for you. Welcome to Red Wall, where Badger, Otter, Dormouse, Squirrel, Mole, and Beaver work together to live in animal harmony. They spend their lives singing, fighting evil fox and lizard armies that are inviting, and teaching kids about the importance of manners and washing their paws before dinner. Um, they are all about raising up heroes that are cute, likable versions of Aragorn and Legolas, but able to go to war on the drop of a dime. Ooh. Yes, so Brian Jacques, God rest his soul. He's no longer with us. Um, he created a world where no noble forest creatures eat delicious-sounding pastries and summer salad while talking about the city, which beats Hobbiton by a cuteness factor of eight. So... <laughs> These books carry so much well-written and sincere charm that I want every child that I ever sire to read these. Um, Brian Jacques is a master of explaining devilish villains. Um, he, he's the kind of guy that, um, you know those Disney villains with the, the twirling mustache um, and the guy that's up to no good? I think Brian Jacques invented that kind of character trope. <laughs> Because they're all in his books. Um, my whole understanding of fantasy and forest-dwelling adventures against evil armies comes from Mr. Brian Jacques. And you'll find that my book is soaked with this influence. So, you know, I cannot, I cannot praise what this guy did. He wrote so many books in the Redwall series. And um, these books range from adorable cuteness to... Otters deciding whether to eat your carcass or leave it out in the valley. And, you know, it's just got everything. And I'm going to just say this, that the way he describes the food in his universe, um, since these are all vegetarian animals, except for the villains, the villains always eat people. Um, but if someone had to convince me to be a vegetarian, it would have to be Brian Jacques. He would be the man who could get it done. Yeah, yeah, don't don't read these on an empty stomach. Right. Yeah, those summer salads and strawberry wines and uh dang. <laughs> Makes you really want to be a mouse. Yep. So, and it, I just recently found out that the on the PC and the Xbox there's a Red Wall video game. Um it kind of squeaked out in infamy as not very special and weird and repetitive, but, you know, to, to take a dead author's work and say, hey, this deserves a video game because it's so darn amazing, that's something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's, you know, that's, you know, that's really saying something. I don't know how many books have been made into a video game. Like, no one... No one has come up to me yet <laughs> and said, hey, I was reading your book, and I think it would make a great downloadable game. Right. And, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, Harry 
Oh, I think I lost it's Adam. Based off the oh. movie, none of the books. Oh. Don't, yeah. Did you lose me? Oh, yeah, I just lost you. Just say that last thing again. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, I was just saying that, um, well, yes, Lord of the Rings and uh, Harry Potter and Narnia, they all do have uh, books. Or, obviously, they have games, but those games aren't based on books, based on the movies. So it's even more impressive that um that Brian Jackson's you know all his series it's created just based on uh the book. Not the you know, not like another media that they're importing, you know, their images and stuff from. Like this is just purely off its um how good uh, of a book it is. I w- they did have a PBS series for a little bit. But mm. you can never replace the visuals that man gave me. So yeah. whenever, like, I, I just couldn't watch the cartoon because, like, how, how, can you, how can you change what I read as a child? <laughs> right, it doesn't measure yeah. up. No. So thus, I have to say that the House of Redwall is a beautiful forest lined with salad bars that always have fresh salads, <laughs> croutons, and red berry wine. Um, all the students of the Redwall House are pudgy moles or young mice warriors that can't hold still. Um, Hogwarts students often mistake this house for a garden and go there to cause mischief until the King Otter scares them off. And once Voldemort has tried to influence this forest with his evil power, but the cuteness, authenticity, and charm of the place made him so sick. <laughs> so this is the House of Woodlandian. <laughs> that's incredible i love it um mike this is um this is unprecedented um we both separately made uh lists correct mm-hmm. um and my my the book that i'm about to talk about has nothing to do with your book but it's frightfully similar in uh its characters and its story um it's a little book called the tale of despero have you read it mike uh, you know, I've seen the trailer for the movie. That's about as much as I can say. Um, Mike, uh, it's no joke when I say that The Tale of Despero is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, oh. all, like, all, all books, all, everything considered, this book is, this, this book is a modern masterpiece, in my opinion. Um, it's, it was written in 2003 uh, by an author named uh, Kate uh, D. Camillo. And, um, it's, it's just, uh, it's a book that when you read it, you just, you just feel so warm. You just feel so safe. You just feel so happy. It's, it it feels like, um, uh, a, a, like a fairy tale that has more, uh, gumption to it, if that makes sense. So the, the, the main plot follows the adventures of a mouse named Despero Tilling and uh, he sets out on this quest. He's he's kind of fallen in love with this beautiful human princess, and um, he he's under the impression that he has to go save her from uh, these rats that are uh, um, that are infesting uh, uh, the kingdom. And um, her name was Princess P. And um, much like my my other book. Um, Despero, the he he's kind of like a small kind of 
sickly. He's he's not, you know, he's not immediately the, uh, the you know the go to action hero, but he he has he has guts, he has bravery, he he has morals, and um, he he wants to he 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 stands up for what's good and what's right, and um, you know he he uh, he wants to he wants to do the right thing, and he he fights evildoers with um he uh with a, a little pin that he found and it, it's tied with a red string and um you know he uh he hates the the the, the evil rats and uh he he goes to he goes on a, an adventure that's way too big for his britchers and he he grows as a character and he he learns more about the the world and he he kind of learns about um you know it, it's it's less about um, as the journey goes on, he he discovers that life is less about trying to find your your happily ever after, um, and he, he sort of starts to doubt himself in his quest, and then, um, you know, through sheer determination, and you know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to, you know, ruin the ending, but um, you know, eventually he's able to to rescue Princess P. And uh, they become close friends, and um, obviously a, a mouse and a princess can't be married. But instead, he's um, no longer um, just viewed as a mouse, but he, instead as a, a brave knight and friend of the of the humans. And uh, it, it's just a it's just a, an amazing and wonderful tale of of knightliness and uh, chivalry and just wonderful fantasy. And it, it, if I had to put it into words. I would say it's it's kind of like if um, Ratatouille met Narnia met um, like uh, Redwall is exactly right. how I would describe this book, and it's it's beautifully illustrated too, and uh, it's it's won so many awards, um, and it's it, it's a shame that more people haven't heard of it. And it took so long for it to um, to even just get like a movie. It uh, it won the uh, in two thousand four. It won uh, a a little award called the the Newberry Medal. Oh yes, yes. Uh, that brings me back to school days <laughs> when uh, you you saw that silver seal on that book. You you knew you were getting uh, you knew you were getting quality um, as a kid you knew you were getting homework, but, uh, <laughs> right, right. Now you know you were getting quality. Right, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so it's 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 and actually you know what I would even throw in a print a little print in there too. It's like it's that. Oh, what uh, we lost you. Oh, I'm cutting up! You're cutting up a little bit there, Mike. Okay, yep, you were cutting up too. Repeat oh no! What you just said. Oh, I was gonna say. Uh, I would. I would even also like to throw in. It's definitely a little bit like uh, the Princess Bride too, and it just. It's. It's just when you finish reading the book, and when you finish watching the Princess Bride, you just feel good about yourself. You just you've consumed a story that that warms you. It kind of. It's like mom's chicken noodle soup. I I totally in agreement. I'm so glad that we both ended on such a warm and uh comfy note. Mm. And you know, fantasy is for the animals. 
Amen. Where I said it. <laughs> I mean, C.S. Lewis would agree. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, the Eagles from Lord of the Rings would agree. <laughs> it's true. It's that's very true. Well, um, I'm just gonna run through the the names of my books again. Just yes. So uh, you have them all in a group. So we have Jasper Fjord. That's Fjord with uh, F-F-O-R-D-E. Um, Thursday Next series. The Last Dragon Slayer series. I read The Eye of Zoltar on that one. Uh, the Fritz Lieber's Adventures of Farfared. That's F-A-F-R-H-D. Orson Scott Card's Enchantment. All those words I can spell and pronounce. Um, in Brian Jacques' The Red Wall series. Uh, Mike, you caught me a little loud. I exited out of the, the document that I had all, the, uh, all my books on. Um, but uh, from memory, I had uh, The Tale of Despero, obviously. And then uh, the first one I talked about there was uh, The Children of the Lamp series. And then uh, the Star Wars one was Star Wars uh, Jedi Apprentice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next was the uh, Penda Dragon series. Or Penda mm-hmm. Dragon. I don't know how you say it. You can, you can pick and choose. And then the last one um, was the, the Tom Clancy medieval action thriller coming of age story, uh, the, Rangers of, the Rangers Apprentice. Yes. And so, uh, check out those books. Um, you know, they've been read by two educated men, so you know, <laughs> what, have, what have you got to lose? Exactly. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. And, um, yeah, basically, thank you for uh, tuning in. There's, there's so many books we could uh, be telling you about, but right now you have your homework assignment, a chapter from each of those 10 books and then a paper about how you felt you felt over the summer exactly and yeah you know the the beautiful thing about all those books that we talked about you can find them in your local library yes you don't, and, you don't fact, have to pay for it that is so true and if you're a prime member you get the fritz lieber book um as part of a prime membership so you're welcome <laughs> enjoy alright so I've been Mike I've been Adam and thank you for checking out the bottom shelf with us beautiful sit now <laughs>